Church, you may be seated. How's everyone doing today? You're convincing. <laughs> convincing crowd. Um, I do have a big question to ask you. Can, can we say Merry Christmas now? Yeah. Merry Christmas, Holland Chapel. All right. Is it not the greatest time of year? All, listen, before you respond to that, all you Christmas Scrooges, keep it to yourself. Is it not the greatest time of year? I love Christmas. Merry Christmas, Holland Chapel. Are you ready for the Christmas series that we're jumping into today? Are you ready for it? It's called Wish List Church, and it's going to be a simple series over prayer. Hopefully, within the next four weeks, uh, we're going to tackle some things that maybe you're dealing with in your prayer life or lack thereof. This, this whole thing is designed to encourage us into a life of prayer. Before we get going with uh, today's lesson, I want to brag on you a little bit. Uh, last week, we, we did something. We put a QR code on the screen. I was like, hey, Holland Chapel, if you got some questions, uh, scan the QR code right in your question uh, for a, a winter sermon series kicking off in January called That's a Great Question, where you write in something, and we're going to spend some time diving into the Word of God and hopefully providing you an answer uh, for that. This one, now there were a lot of, of awesome questions, thought-provoking questions, but this one just really got me. I'm going I'm to jump ahead and see if you've got the answer to this one. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Anybody know? That was a real question. I told you to play by the rules, church. Somebody thought they would have a little fun. It was pretty funny. Uh, but here's what I want to do. I want to put that QR code back up on the screen. If you've got your smartphones, get those out. Uh, scan that QR code. If you missed last week or you uh, spent the, the week thinking of a question, now's your chance. Take your phone out, scan that code, send in a question to us, and help us build a sermon series called That's a great question. Lots of really good stuff already posed. I'm looking forward to that. So here's your chance. I'm going to give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you so much. Week number one of wish list. Honestly, it's a question that I think many of us have asked over the course of our life, or at least since we've been following the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's the question, does God, does God really give us everything we ask for? Does God really give us everything that we pray for? It's a big, profound question, and I think the Bible has some answers for us. What really got me thinking about this particular question was Christmas time. Um, how many of you can think back to childhood, and you were really hoping that like, your, your gifts would be under the tree. Can anybody remember uh, diving into the Sears catalog toy section? Anybody remember that? Right here, right here, 90s kid, right? Like it's where, yeah, it's good stuff. My brother would have a certain color of crayon. I would have another color of crayon. And boy, we just, we went through there just making that wish list, right? Man, I hope I get this, get this, get this. And in your mind, you were convinced that if you circled it, it was going to be under the tree, right? Did anybody go into Christmas just fully confident? I did. Uh, did anybody ever get everything that they ever asked for? Did anybody? Well, maybe if you were like a doctor's kid, right? You were like, yeah, certainly did. My parents were rich, man. 
Not me. Like, I, I, I would ask for all these things that, like, a, you know, you were just hoping that you would get all of them, but that never panned out. But you got something, right? You got something. Well, what about in our relationship with God? What about our, our prayer life? Like, if we ask for everything, uh, does God give everything? I want to give you a short answer of no. I want to give you a short answer of no. But we're going we're gonna to expand on that. To help us do that, let's dive into the Word of God, and I think we'll get some answers there. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin reading in 7 through 11. This is Christ teaching on prayer. He says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Underline that. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. He goes on to give this example. You, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So I gave you the short answer of no, but the long answer is yes. Are you confused yet? You confused yet, church? Short answer, no. Long answer is yes. But here's how I want to answer this question. And it's going to be on the screen, so if you are perplexed right now, this is for you. It says, God gives what helps, not hurts. God gives what helps, not hurts. God will respond to us every single time we ask. Did you hear that? God responds. But that does not mean he's answering your question the way that you posed it. God will give you what is helpful to you, not hurtful to you. How do we know this? Jesus gives this analogy of a parent. Any parent in the room, raise your hand, moms and dads. Don't you love like blessing your children, right? Don't you love giving to them, uh, making sure they have everything that they want, having everything that they need, really, right? Like we want to bless our children, and, and Jesus gives this illustration. If they ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? No. If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? No. Why? Because stones given to a kid is not a good idea. They break windows, and they throw them at people, right? Snake, we don't even have to go down that road. That would just end bad. So, so what Jesus is saying here, ultimately, is that your heavenly Father loves to respond to you. But he doesn't always give you what you ask for. Because oftentimes, church, listen to me, this is just a pride check moment. We don't know what to ask for. We don't know what's best for our life. We, we, don't, we don't know, but who does? God knows exactly what's best for us. So God always gives a response. He responds in a helpful manner, not a hurtful manner. But Luke, my, my prayers are good things. I pray for Healing, like that's a great thing, right? I, I pray for restoration. That's a great thing. 
I pray for guidance. Like, Luke, I, I just need to know what to do. Like, that's a good thing. Or just help. Anybody just cried out for help before? That's good stuff, right? So how come, it's not, how come God doesn't always give me like those things? Like, those are good things. Those aren't selfish things. God gives you what's helpful, not what's hurtful. All good things come from Him. But just because when you ask for bread and He doesn't give you bread doesn't mean that He can't meet the need in a better way that's designed just for you. Let's talk about that for a second. You ever asked things? You ever prayed for things? You ever approached God for something because you see other people receiving it and you're like, man, they've prayed for it. Why can't I get it? You ever done that? Are we just having an honest moment? You ever done that? And you're like, well, why am I not receiving that, Lord? Because that's not what's best for you. It might have been what was most helpful for them, but it may not be what's most helpful for you. You, you see, God will respond to you in a way that is best for you. So in your prayer life, we've got to stop looking at other people. We've got to start uh, stop examining their prayer life. How are they praying? What's God gifting them? What we have to, it's personal. God's going to respond to you according to you and what's best for you. God will give you what is helpful, not hurtful. We aren't in control, church, and we don't know what is always best for us. But He does. If God gave us everything that we ask for, that would make us God. You ever thought about that? If God responded to every single prayer in the way in which it was prayed, that would make us God. That would be us treating Him like a genie in a bottle. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do this. I need... You're putting yourself over Him. God, do what I want. And God is saying, I'm going to do what I want. And what I want is best for you. But oftentimes that's hard to handle, isn't it, church? To understand that God wants what's best, not really always what we want. He gives us what's helpful. Do you believe that prayer works, church? Do you believe that prayer works, church? I want to read a quote from an author. He says, prayer is a real cause of real events in this world. God has willed it to be so, and so it is. Prayer works. So if prayer is real, and God hears our prayers, right? He hears us. We just see Jesus explaining that. Like, he, he hears you. Everyone who asks receives. How can we make sure that our prayers are effective? I want you to write that down. It's going to be on the screen. How can we make sure that our prayers are effective? James chapter 4 says, uh, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. How can we make sure that our prayer life is one that is effective? We just agreed as a church that prayer works, that God hears us. Jesus explains this. He, he hears you. He responds in a way that is best according to His will for your life. Not exactly what you want, but He's going to respond every time. How do we make sure, though, that our prayers are an effective prayer? How can we make sure that every time we approach God, He hears our prayers? Big question, isn't it? 
Before we go, I'm telling you, like when I was putting this message together, my brain was firing in a thousand different ways. Before we get going, this is not really a, a point on the screen, but I felt like this morning as I was reading through this, this needed to be said this morning. How can we make sure that our prayers are most effective? Listen to me. If you are not a child of God in this room and you've been praying and wondering why your prayers aren't answered, it's because you're not a child of God. And I need to say that this morning. You're walking in here and you're frustrated. Like, I'm coming to church, I've been praying, I've been doing everything that I think I'm supposed to do or the guy on the stage tells me to do, but nothing's changing. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? James says in his book that a fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. If you are praying and nothing's happening, have you trusted in Jesus? You see, praying without trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior is like trying to plug a lamp into a wall with no outlet. It doesn't work. You're not connected to the source of power. Have you trusted in Jesus this morning? That's point number one. Without being point number one, have you trusted in Christ? How can we make sure that our prayers are effective? I want to read a couple passages of Scripture that's going to help us answer that question. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to read 22, then we're going to jump down to 1 John 5. 1 John 3, 22. It says, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that pleases him. Y'all see that in its entirety. There's, there's a prayer and there's a response and then there's a condition. Did you catch the condition? Obeying and pleasing. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. He says, and we are confident that he hears us Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, there's prayer and there's response and there's condition. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. There is prayer, there is response, but there is a condition. And church, this morning we need to talk about the condition. Because if I can say something so blunt and so plain this morning uh, that I don't think we take our prayer life seriously enough. I don't think we take our relationship and how we approach God seriously enough. I think we walk through prayer life much like a genie in a bottle or much like a wish list for Christmas. I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see if something sticks. You ever been there? And when we do that, I don't know that we are taking our prayer life seriously enough. What we see from Grandpa John here in his old age and his wisdom, he says, of course, approach God. That's what he wants. Of course, ask God. That's what he wants. And he is so eager to give you what you ask for. However, there is a condition. Did you see the condition? Obeying and pleasing him. Those are some things we like to leave out in our prayer life, aren't they? Well, God, I'm going to live the way I want. I want to do the things that I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be the person that I want to be. And then when I need you, I'm going to approach you. I'm going to ask, and you're going to give me, because that's what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. John says, of course, ask. Ask away. And when you ask, he'll give it to you, as long as your life is pleasing to him. So how can we make sure that our prayer life is one that is effective? I think our prayer life has to be done in a way that pleases God. That'll be on the screen. I want you to write that down. Pray in a way that pleases God. You ever thought about that? Approaching God in a way that's pleasing to Him? I think that's what John is talking about. 
And maybe, just maybe, our, our posture, maybe, just maybe, the way that we look to God and approach Him in our prayer life it needs to make a total 180 this morning. Let's pray in a way that pleases God. The first thing that I want you to write down under that category of praying effective prayers, praying prayers that are pleasing to God is this. Humility pleases God. Humility pleases God. 1 Peter chapter 5, 6 and 7. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, His time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about you. Did you see what Peter has done in this moment, in this approaching God mentality? He gives the condition before he tells you to approach God. He says, humble yourselves before him. And at his time, he will lift you up in response. Did y'all catch that? Humble yourselves before God. Luke, what does that look like in my prayer life? How can I humble myself in my prayer life? Do you ever say in your prayers, God, you are God and I am not? Do you ever approach Him and recognize the fact that He is Almighty God in control of everything? Do you ever approach Him in your prayer life and say, God, I'm weak, I'm frail, I'm nothing. Uh, I need you in every single aspect of my life. Do you approach Him that way? Do you approach him in a way that he hears you say, God, you are God and I am not. Now remember, if we approach God and command and demand things of him, we're just treating him like a Christmas wish list, saying, God, give me, give me, give me. Listen, we're not God. We went over that. We're not God. We don't tell him to do anything. We come to him in humble submission. God, you are God. And let's, let's think practically for a moment. As I'm teaching my children to pray, what do we ask our kids to do? What do we ask our kids to do? Bow your head. Now, that's legalistic if we think that God only hears us if we bow our head, but it's teaching us something. It's teaching us reverence in front of Almighty God. Peter says, humble yourself before Him. And at His time, He will lift you up in response. Maybe, just maybe this morning, your prayer life isn't one that is effective because you are approaching God with arrogance and pride. Maybe, just maybe this morning, your prayer life is suffering because you are approaching Him in in a prideful stance. God, I'm going to ask and you're going to give. Now, we do see in Scripture that we approach Him with confidence. We're going to get to that next. But confidence and arrogance are totally different. Confidence says, God, I know you're God and you can do whatever you want to do because you're all powerful. We're going to get to that. Arrogance says, God, you serve me and you're going to do what I ask you to do. That's arrogance. So when we approach God, make sure that we have a posture and a heart of humility. Now, I don't know how you approach God. I don't know how you treat him in your prayer life. But maybe this is you this morning, this first one. You approach him with a little arrogance. And maybe he's up there going, listen to me, child. I'm Heavenly Father. I'm God Almighty. Maybe change the way you approach me. And humble yourself before him. I believe that's what pleases God. The next thing that I want you to write down is we need to approach him 
full of faith. Approach him full of faith. This one we're going to have to spend some time explaining because I do not want you to leave confused this morning. Approach him full of faith. We get this from James chapter 1, 5 through 7. James says, if you need wisdom, ask. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But there's a condition. There's prayer, there's response, and then there's a condition. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people, get your highlighters out, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You see what James has done? If you need to know the context a little bit, the the people of God, they are trusting in Jesus. They're going from Judaism to Christianity and persecution has entered and they are being scattered. And James is encouraging them in the midst of trials. And he's saying, listen, if you need something, if you need help from the Lord, like if you need to know what to do in your trial, ask him. He's he's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to get on to you for asking him. Aren't you thankful for that, church? That we can approach him and he doesn't laugh at us, but he loves it. He says, ask. Oh, and he's good. He gives good gifts, remember? However, there's a condition. When you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God and God alone and nothing else. And what does he say about this particular believer? You see, I've been preaching this wrong for a long time, church, and I've got to admit that to you. When I saw this through the lenses that God would have us to to see it this morning, it wrecked me. You see, as as I've been reading through this, I've always put that in two separate categories. That, of course, believers have faith in God and they approach Him and they trust Him. That's for unbelievers. They, They approach Him and their faith is divided. James is not talking about two different categories here. He's talking about believers in this passage. He's saying some believers approach God full of faith convinced that he and he alone can answer. And some, their heart, if you see that divided loyalty, it literally means their soul is split in two. So they are believing, they have a little faith in God, but they have a little faith in something else, 50-50. doesn't work that way, church. It doesn't even work 90-10. It's 100% faith in God and God alone when you approach him in your prayer life. How does this flesh out for us in our prayer life? Because you may be scratching your head, well, Luke, are you saying that my prayers aren't answered because I don't have enough faith? I don't want you to leave with that impression, but I want you to hear Pastor James and what he says. And that's a tough one to hear. Nobody, and I want to be, I want to be sensitive to this, nobody wants to be told that they don't have enough faith. That can shipwreck somebody, can it? Oh, you don't have enough faith. But let's look and see how this really plays out in Scripture. The disciples, they were on a boat and they were scared to death. And in the middle of the night, they see Jesus walking on water. You remember this story? And there's Peter, he's on the boat. And he sees Jesus standing on water. People aren't supposed to do that. And here's what he says. He says, Lord, 
if it's you, command me to come on the water. And what does Jesus say? Come on. Come on. So Peter jumps out of the boat, and he begins to walk on water. Again, people aren't supposed to do that. But do you all remember what happens? His eyes shift on the one who's in control of it all. And what happens? He begins to sink. For a moment, he said, it's you, Lord. You're the only one that can do this. And you're the only one that can grant that to me. Let it be. And it happened. But his eyes shifted just for a second. His faith shifted just for a second. And he began to sink. So I know this morning it's really hard to hear that maybe my prayer life isn't as effective as it could be because I lack faith. That's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to help you. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus in your prayer life. I've been there. I've done that. God, I know you're good and I know you're in control and I know that you can heal. I know that you can help. I know that you can restore I'm begging you to, to, to let that happen in this situation. I say amen, and I immediately begin to doubt. You ever done that? Can we just be real? You ever done that? I know you can, Lord. I know you're good. I know you're all-powerful. I know you're the healer. Amen. Oh, I hope he does it. James says, if you want, ask. And he'll be good and he'll give. But when you ask, make sure that your faith is in God and God alone. Nothing else, no one else, God and God alone. Someone who is double-souled, even if it's 90-10, should not expect to receive anything. Why would we expect to receive anything if we doubt? God expects us to approach Him in our prayer life full of faith. Faith in Him and Him alone when we approach Him. The third thing I want you to write down that pleases God is we need to submit to His will. Submit to His will. James chapter 4, 13 through 15. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say, what you ought to say in your prayers, is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Do you ever pray the will of of the Father. We're going to get to it in a couple weeks later, but Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples, he says, your kingdom uh, come, your what will be done. We pray the will of God. And then we submit to the will of God. God wants us to pray and submit to his will. And listen to me, I want to, I want to provide some explanation for this. When we start to, to pray His will and submit to His will, whatever it is, listen to me, whatever it is that He gifts us, we will learn to receive it. Did y'all hear that? 
Whatever it is that he gifts us, we will learn to receive it if we submit to his will. How does that play out? It may not be exactly the gift that we circled in the catalog. May not be. But when we learn to submit to his will in our prayer life, we trust that when we open the gift, it's exactly what we need. Exactly what we need. This is what he's teaching at the end of James. How dare you have the arrogance, right? The arrogance to say this and that will come to pass. What you should say, Lord, your will be done in this situation. So when we pray, when we pray, we must, listen to me, church, we must pray humbly. We approach him with the posture of, you're God, I'm not. We pray humbly. We pray in a way that's full of faith. And then we submit to his will. We know, we read scripture, we understand that he is a good gift giver. Do you believe that? May not be what you've asked for, but when we submit to his will, we know it's what's best. And that will change your life. It will change your prayer life. Can I speak bluntly? When we pray, we expect, don't we? We expect it to be answered just the way that we pray it. And sometimes it happens. That ever happened to you? Sometimes we pray and he delivers exactly the way we ask. But much of the time, most of the time, it's much differently. So when we start to pray in a way where we submit to his will, it changes our prayer life. It changes the way, listen to me, it changes the way in which we view God. We start to see his plan in our life. It unfolds in front of us, and we start to understand that he really is in control. He really is good. He is a good gift giver, and he'll change your life, church. So wish list. Make sure, church, that as you approach God, it's done in a way that pleases Him. Grandpa James gives us that condition. Of course, ask, and He'll be good to give, but make sure that you follow the conditions. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for being good. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and the ultimate example we have of forgiveness and salvation in and through your son, Jesus. God, I pray for us this morning that you would make us a people of prayer. We understand by reading your word that you love to respond to us. And James tells us we don't have because we simply don't ask. So God, I ask this morning that this would be a praying church. A church full of people of faith, that approach you each and every day, that learn the importance of communing, fellowshipping with you in the privilege of prayer, and that, God, we would be people that are humble, knowing that you are God and God alone, and that our faith would be in you and you alone, and that ultimately whatever gift you give, we would humbly submit to it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings our lives. Help us this week to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.